0: Welcome to the Lock Sportscast, your weekly source for Lock Sport news and interviews. I'm your host, Charles Current. In today's episode, we have a conversation with Greg Waugh. Greg is president of Pacific Lock Company, better known as PacLock. He is known as Prez on Twitter. A link to his Twitter account, as well as the PacLock main Twitter account and the PacLock website will be in the show notes. For fall show notes with links, visit www.thelocksportscast.com. You can find this show on most podcast apps, on YouTube, and at thelocksportscast.com. Before we get started, I'd like to say thank you to this episode's producers. The executive producers for this episode are Meddler, PandaFrog, and Michael Gilchrist, my Patreon subscribers. I just want to make a few things clear I am receiving no compensation for this interview. I have paid for all products that I get from PackLock. This includes all the locks that I give away every month. I personally reached out to Greg and asked for this interview because I've been impressed with the company, the service I've received, and their interactions with the LockSport community. And I thought it would be a good interview to bring to all of you. And with that, here is the conversation with Greg Waugh. Well, welcome to the Lock Sportscast. Uh, All right, our, thank you. And uh, so you are the president of Packlock or Pacific Lock Company, right? Yeah, either way, is fine. But yeah, and president Pac- and CEO, yes. Most of us just refer to you as Lock and you're the Pack Prez, right? Right. Exactly. Um, so when did Packlock
1: originate? When did you start Lock? Uh, so I technically didn't start it. It originated back in about uh, circa 92, where my father-in-law and a, a couple of former American lock execs punched out and wanted to start a company that would compete directly with American with a product that had, would come in from overseas. Um, the principle being bring in a product that's as good if not better than the American lock product uh, a direct substitute for it looks like it uh, keys into it, but maybe a ten to fifteen or twenty percent cost savings because it'd be produced overseas.
0: Okay, and when did you start in Packlock? Yeah, right around uh, two thousand and five. Okay, and what what changed the direction of the company as far as going from the overseas?
1: to making it in the U.S. Well, uh, so what I would say, probably the, the critical pillar for PacLock being here today was Masterlock buying American Lock in 2002. Uh, I'm not a locksmith. I don't come from the locksmithing world. I'm um, a double E guy. High-end network engineering was my career with the military. And after the military, and I was finishing up my MBA at UCLA. Um, you know, my father-in-law had this business for a couple, seven, eight years. Um, and, you know, it was just kind of, it was just kind of, it was just kind of there. It was just kind of there. Uh, it used to be called Federal Lock, and it wasn't doing a whole lot. So when I was finishing up my MBA, I told him that I would come and, you know, help help the business kind of for free and let's value it. And what do we do? do? We shut it down or keep it going. And you don't really need to be a manufacturing expert in our industry to realize and kind of put the puzzle pieces together that American lock was a very strong, great brand. Um, you know, my research showed that master lock also a great brand, but when they purchased companies, they tend to not continue on with that strong brand. And, um, um, Our company as Federal Lock never did that well, my estimation, because American was such a strong brand. Locksmiths and customers didn't care about a 10 or 15% cost savings if you can get the American Lock brand. So when you kind of add everything up, I told the family, I said, look, you know, Masters bought American a couple of years ago. We're a direct substitute for their product. Uh, We never really had much of a chance before. The company never had much of a chance before because American was so strong, but I think over the next five, 10 years, you're gonna see a big shift uh, in that American lock product. And if we can kind of turn ourselves into that new American lock, I think we have the chance to kind of take it over. So that was kind of the impetus for keeping not only the company going, changing the name, we want to get away from the federal lock name, um, And then 2009 was the year that we bought our first CNC machine and, you know, made the the decision to start producing as much as we can, you know, back in the States.
0: So how much of uh, how much of the process is automated then using CNC, but how much hands on do you have to do on each lock?
1: There's still a fair amount. Uh, You know, I don't have crazy robots working over here. Uh, We've got good people. Um, we do our best to make sure that everything's working right and, and is as efficient as we can. I'm definitely a process type person. Um, we use iPads to track everything right now, to track our, our post machine checks, to track our assembly. So the idea is that we can hire really anyone to help us grow, bring them in and give them that on the job training. And relatively quickly, they're up and going and helping us out. Um, so the CNC machines are certainly automated. And, you know, we can take a batch of parts, uh, throw them in the machine and let's say 10 minutes later, 32 parts pop out and that's automated. But from there, you know, you've got to plug the hole in the side for the ball bearing. You've got to sand it. You got to send it out for anodizing or heat treating or plating. And then it's got to come back in and the full assembly or cutting keys or pinning cylinders. uh, You know, all of that, you know, done by by non automated functions right now. I can appreciate that because it's good to
0: the hands-on approach. Something gets lost when everything gets automated. People don't even catch the mistakes.
1: That's true, and it it obviously introduces mistakes too. Um, You know, there's times where where guys will write us and say, "Oh, Greg, you know, uh, oh, there's some sharp edges on this one lock, and how could you guys let it go out like that?" And and it's true. And we work our butts off to try and make sure that all those details aren't missed. But as you're growing and you bring people in. Someone didn't quite sand it just right, and we don't have robots back there doing this. We're not on, on big automated machines that are doing everything, and that's a benefit to us because we can be, that's what allows us to be nimble and agile and to come out with new products so fast. I don't have a, a monster machine that can only make this one part, and that's all it does.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, yeah, I guess the repeatability would be a lot better with a, a robot, potentially, as long as it mm-hmm. doesn't mess up. Working in the manufacturing uh, sector, I see my share of that type of thing. How did you get started? I know you do a lot with the Locksport community. You you get feedback and you request
1: feedback. When did that start and how did that get started? I would say probably last year. So from 2009 up through 2018, even 2019, the, the focus for me has been building the infrastructure of the company. Uh, when we brought in that first CNC machine within three months, you could tell we're going in the right direction, but there's a lot that needs to be put into place to ensure that we can maintain, um, the quality. I mean, you are talking to the guy that even right now I'm, I'm programming the machines. I do a lot of the engineering and I used to run the machines the first couple of years. Can't do that anymore. And haven't done that for a while, but, um, you know, that's what 2010 up through 2018 was all about, was building the company so that we could be ready. So if someone called us and said, we're ready to launch, we want a lot. We'd say, sure, we can, we can get it done for you. Uh, not Greg in here working crazy hours trying to produce 10,000 padlocks or something like that. Um, so I felt like last year was the year where most of those puzzle pieces were put together. Certainly our launch into Home Depot, uh, the limited launch that we have was another you know kind of starting point for us um but you know marketing marketing is always tough how do you get your message out and um you know we wanted to rely a lot on the classical distribution method through locksmith distributors and things like that but you know that's just not working for us it didn't work for us and so we said you know what we just need to to really go out more directly and connect with customers and and you know, the Locksport guys to, to say, Hey, I think we've got a great product. We're not perfect, but I think it's far better than the alternatives that are out there. Uh, you know, what do you guys think? And, and that's where we are. And it's been tremendous. I, I do enjoy, and I value uh, the relationships I'm building and the feedback that we get.
0: And we appreciate it. I I know at least personally, I appreciate it. That's why one of my, uh, things I do just to support this channel is to the pack a month giveaways that I do.
1: Um, because <laughs> yeah.
0: people love the pack locks and, and <laughs> in the locksport community, we just like the fact that, you know, some of these smaller companies like you appreciate us and, and actually work with us somewhat, but I can understand the difficult time you're having, uh, with, you know, I've seen it on, on some of the channels, the, the established locksmiths and some established industries, they have a relationship with master lock or American lock and that's what they've always done. And that's just where they, they, they stay.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I typically tell them that, you know, pack lock might have to do things today that may challenge your business directly. Um, I mean, I candidly tell people, if you're not selling pack lock, I'm coming after your business. doesn't matter who you are. If you're selling a competitive product to pack lock, don't come crying to me when we take your business from you. And it's going to take you know a year two years of that as we grow as we start picking up business because if the end consumer isn't demanding pack lock then why would a locksmith why would a distributor stock it they already have such a large commitment to master american those types of brands that why don't want to bring in another padlock brand it's just another padlock brand right it's just another padlock brand
0: right and it's another one that we have to support and maintain inventory and and yeah, I can I can understand the the reluctance on the part of some uh, locksmiths. Like I said, do you get a sense for maybe outside of the locksport community, what your brand recognition is like? I mean, do people know what Pack Lock
1: is? I think we're getting there. Uh, we're seeing it today. You know, especially with our our launch into Amazon about a year ago. Mostly the calls we get are um, because they want the innovative products. They want the ability to to key all this together. And they've heard about Packlock and they see the products we have and they've heard about the customer service. Um, And so on the whole, I think if you ask me, you know, what is Packlock today? You know, for those who know about us, we've got a good reputation and our products have a good reputation. And the fact that we innovate and, and come out with products so quickly helps us out. Um, and so it's helping us break that barrier, you know, that barrier to entry, where people are willing to give us a shot um, and, and go from there. So I think on the whole, um, 2019 and into 2020 for sure has been really good for us. It has, and uh, the Locksport community has been a part of that. You know, doing a simple Google search today on PackLock, you you see a lot of Locksport comments up there, and um, you know that's that's changing our industry. This this social media. The ability to connect with people so quickly, uh, to get industry experts that twenty years ago no one would ever hear from, today they can put a video up and millions of people can watch it and find out. Wow, I never realized that product is either that good or hey, that product's really that bad. You know that happens today. Right. Yeah. Uh, the big channels
0: have definitely done a lot for that. I mean, that's how I got into all this and and discovered pack lock was lock picking lawyer in bosnian bill right you know right i think everybody's heard of them
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and rightfully so i mean we we've enjoyed i can't say i have a relationship with them but um i enjoy the videos as well like anyone else so were you involved at all in the uh the
0: pack lock skateboard for picking lawyer <laughs>
1: I mean, you're talking to the guy that built most of the skateboard. So, obviously, I brought it with me here because it is pretty cool. Um, You know, everything on the back that you're looking at here, from the trucks to the axle to the wheels, that was about two weekends for me, Um, you know, building that out on our lathes and the mills. And, you know, a little bit of background story was that Harry, a lockpicking lawyer, called me and mentioned how he was going to do this collab with the skater guys. And it was his idea to come up with the wheels out of hockey pucks and um so he said you know greg uh, can you do something like that for me and i said harry you know we'd love to help you out and, but how long do i have because i think i can come up with some other ideas fortunately i had enough time and and um you know so the whole idea of this lockable skateboard and the trucks and everything i just they came out really cool i think so we've got three in existence and one of them at this point is just annihilated because that's what the 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 skate guys did to it so harry's got his and we've got ours yeah
0: yeah that was really cool Uh, and
1: probably a pretty good promotion i think a lot of people caught on to that yeah that's fun it was fun a lot of people ask us to to make more of them and the family said we're not in the skate skating industry we don't know we don't know so it's going to be one of those things that uh you know harry's board and our board's going to be the two in existence i think
0: yeah so
1: When did you guys get your first uh, military contracts? (laughs) I laugh because a lot of these are long stories and and I have to find ways to summarize them. Um, When when I joined the company in 05, the company had been getting contracts already, um, just kind of not a long term contract, just one offs where uh, with our government, if it's a long, if it's a contract over a certain amount, the product must be what they call TAA compliant, Trade Agreement Act compliant, which really just boils down to it can't be made in China or North Korea. You can make it anywhere else and you can sell it to our military. Uh, that's why Master does a lot of that work down in Mexico. It's compliant and they can sell it from Mexico. Um, but if there's smaller contracts, you know, $50,000, $80,000, it's unrestricted, they call it. it, can come from China. So our business would win a fair amount of those contracts um unrestricted coming in now when i joined i i wanted to go after the big contracts um you know i my humble estimation master one of the reasons they bought american was to take the government business uh they want a monopoly there a lot of people think it's because of the locksmith world but i don't think so much i think it's more on the military side they wanted that business and this whole idea of that laminated padlock being equivalent to a solid body padlock you know that was all master and it was brilliant, they did a great job. So um, for us to compete though, we could not be a Chinese made product. And 2007, I think, was when the contract came up. They're about three years long. And that was the first time that big contract would come up. And we got thrown out because we weren't enough US manufactured. You know, The government doesn't help you determine what's enough. It's pretty vague. And um, needless to say, it was frustrating that they'd thrown us out that first time. Uh, we put a lot of effort into it. Um, so we found a smart way around and through what's called the FASI program, this Fleet Automotive Support Initiative, um, which is just a fancy term for saying the government doesn't want to be responsible for maintaining millions of SKUs, whether it's lug nuts for the Humvees or, or doors they put a program together and they go out to the commercial world and say, Hey, you guys are good at doing all this. You source all this for us. You're responsible for maintaining it. We'll give you a 10 year contract. And these are huge contracts that big companies have to compete like Lockheed Martin or SAIC Oshkosh. And, um, though that fuzzy program, huge, I mean, millions of SKUs on it, eight of them are padlocks and inherently this program has been out there for years and years and years. SAIC would win it. Unfortunately, it would never sell one padlock, even though eight SKUs are for padlocks, because Master would always win the contract directly to the DLA, to the Defense Logistics Agency. So if Master were to sell to, let's say, SAIC, who had the contract, SAIC has to turn around, put their markup on it, and sell it through their channel to the government, inherently, it's more expensive than just the government buying it directly from Master. Well, we figured out that when Lockheed Martin won, those eight SKUs represented probably 85% of the padlocks the military buys. So it was a tremendous amount of product. And um, I'll just say master did not endear Lockheed Martin when Lockheed Martin won the contract. And Lockheed Martin was very eager to work with a family business producing US made product and pretty much said, Greg, if you want it, here's the price we need from you because we're going to market up this much. And for us to be a better source um, for these products versus master directly, we need to be here with our price to the government. But if you can get us here for 10 years, we'll have all that business. And that's what we did back in 2009. And overnight, um, Master Lock went from having three to $4 million in revenue to zero Without them getting a notice, without them getting any sort of a contract cancellation, they still have their contract. It was just now more affordable to go through this FASI program.
0: Okay, so that's interesting. So there's two separate contract systems
1: there. Ah, Wow. There's a lot of ways the the government procures products. There's a lot of different ways there really are. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I wouldn't know much about it, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I can imagine
0: that over the years, it's gotten pretty complicated. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what about the new uh, disk detainer
1: lock contract that you <laughs> announced? Right, right. Yeah, we're excited about that. Uh, you know, I think the mantra for PackLock ever since I joined is, where are the monopolies? Where is it where we can compete against just one competitor where they haven't had any competition and their prices are high? The last thing I want to do, and you can tell master lock, I I don't want to make a a dial combo lock. I just, no way I can't get that is their, I mean, that's their bread and butter. Uh, I, I, there's no way. Um, But you start looking at things like the GSFP, the general service field padlock, which is a disc detainer um, that Abloy has had on contract with our military for, I don't even know how many years, 20 years. Um, They're the only ones that are compliant. They're the only ones that are approved. And they command a very high price, talking $140 for, you know, realistically, not a $140 padlock. But it's got the, uh, the, the, the big features are just the environmental resistance. It doesn't necessarily need to be a really strong lock for the military. This is more, we want to put it on a gate and we want to know it's going to be out there for 10 years. And if you come out there after 10 years, it'll open. And a disc detainer, as you know, is, is really just the best, the best type of cylinder for that application. Um, so yeah, for a couple of years, we've been waiting, we've been waiting, waiting for something to pop up for us to get in there and then kind of catch them off guard. And it looks like we finally got one. And, and, um, so we're hoping to work with uh, the DOD lock program, get ourselves approved and, and candidly go after all that business. And as we're doing that, um, there's a lot of commercial work out there, a lot of commercial work to go after, uh, Abloy. So, uh, as much as master has been in my sights for, you know, 15 years now, uh, Abloy is now a part of that picture for me.
0: That's so I had actually never thought about the, the fact that a disk detainer was more resilient in, in adverse weather conditions. Um, mm-hmm. Where I work, we have a lot of uh, locked gates with padlocks. Most, mm-hmm. of, most of them master locks, a few of them mm-hmm. ABIS because of security mm-hmm. issues. But it, without a fail, if I have to go out there to get in one, I usually end up having to cut the lock off <laughs> right, right. and even our uh, lockout tag out locks again, master lock. And they are, if I leave them on for two weeks because the equipment's down for maintenance, I got to practically beat the thing off with a hammer. We have a very <laughs> corrosive environment plus Oregon uh-huh. with all of its rain. So yeah. I never really thought about that, but uh, I had thought about some of the, the things about the pack lock lotto locks after, working with some here mm-hmm. that that would probably be a much better fit, but trying to get a multi-million dollar corporation to change its, it's ways tough. is
1: impossible at my level. So it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. And, and we get it. And we're, so I say we're patient. We're not going anywhere. We're patient. Uh, this detainer core, no, our goal isn't to be, you know, more pick resistant than, you know, Abloy. Um, you know, the goal is just to be equivalent right now. I just want to hit the equivalent but I think out of the gate, we will be better. I, one of the things we're kicking around right now is Abloy has brass discs in there. And I realized they put a anti-drill disc up at the front. But what if I told you we were going to do all stainless steel discs? No brass discs, but stainless steel. Um, you know, f- far better from a drill resistance perspective. should be just as weather resistant as a brass disc. Um, but I think uh, already a step ahead of what Abloid does. And so I'm letting a little bit sneak out right now, but that's, that's the kind of stuff we're looking at to make sure that when someone sees our disc detainer product, and we're, gonna, we're actually gonna call it an RD for rotating disc, because disc detainer just sounds weird to me. I like RD <laughs> for a rotating disc, and then we separate ourselves a little bit. But uh, I just, I want people to look at us and say, yeah, you know, if Abloy is selling that for 140 bucks, that pack pack lock that we're going to make the cores here in the States, you know, the, the disc made in the States, uh, the outer shell, we're going to make all that here, you know, in the States. So if we can't compete with Finland on quality, then something's wrong with America and we're going to get this done.
0: Yeah. Um, I like that. The, the rotating disc thing. I (laughs) mean, as a non locksmith or, or a non picker, you say disc detainer and the eyes just glaze over. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> right. Rotating, right. Rotating disc is a lot more better. descriptive. Right. Agreed. Um, so you've you've done quite a few new projects here lately. You've got a uh, an RV storage compartment lock that you put out there for some testing, and uh, your trailer hitch lock. Right. How are those going? How are how are you doing?
1: what we're calling the srv for super rv lock you know we're very creative with our product names um (laughs) the testing's gone well from the people we've heard back from um i'll admit that we didn't line ourselves up as well um when we picked out our testers in that we didn't call them we didn't make sure they're going to test it the way we wanted so we've only heard back from a very small number of the testers which is disappointing and a little frustrating for us because obviously we want to reach out to the community and say hey We're looking for help, um, but we'd like feedback within a couple of weeks at the latest because we move fast here and we want to get the products out. We got people asking for them, Um, but the people we have her back are are really happy with that SRV lock and we're excited about it because again, it's going to fill a niche, you know, on those RV, most RVs and campers. A lot of people don't know that really there's one key that opens 80 to 90% of all of those compartments out there. So now we can take our UCS system that's got 20,000 unique key numbers that you can get on your own and virtually hopefully one day at every Home Depot um, and replace them with a good quality cylinder. We, we think they're and, and probably reasonably priced as well. So um, it's gone well. I don't think we have any changes to that product based on what we've heard so far. So one thing I picked up watching uh, one of the YouTube videos is –
0: so the, you have to enlarge the size of the hole? Is that what I was mm-hmm. understanding? From like three mm-hmm. quarter to
1: one or something like that? It's a one inch. Yeah, it needs to be one inch. Is yeah. that the only modification and, that should be necessary? Or yep. yep. And we are providing the cams, uh, you know, the little bent metal pieces on the back that actually lock in. Um, we're providing those cams with different heights. I think three different configurations. So hopefully no matter what your setup is, when we give you your package, you've got all that you need. Except for that, you know, one inch kind of coring drill we our expectation is that people will hit Home Depot and just buy out. You know, that standard one inch coring drill is pretty common and easy to get. Um, and once you buy one, you've got what you need. And, and all these doors are made of styrofoam or something like that. They're not plastic not or fiberglass. Or... Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Right. That one really caught my attention because way back in college, yeah. I actually worked for an RV manufacturer here. And I still hmm. have my key ring And yeah, it was just a few different keys I could get into the because I was in the maintenance department. I could get into anybody's uh, storage compartments. And so when I saw that, I was like, oh, that's
1: brilliant. Um, (laughs) Well, the question is going to be, you know, how do we let customers know that that this is your vulnerability? And it's kind of that, you know, obscurity that well, they don't know that that one key can open all these. You figure you're good. You figure like when you go to Home Depot and you buy those master locks, you think your lock is unique with a key number, but you know, two or three products behind it has that same key number often, often, right? Allegedly. I don't know what I have to say here to make sure I'm (sighs) safe, but, um, you know, there's a lot of issues there where it's hard to make products in a, a grand scale where you're cycling through all the key numbers. It's very challenging. And so, um, yeah, that's why we're excited about that product. I think it's a great product. It'll fit into our UCS product line really well. It'll play at a Home Depot type retailer really well. Um, and we've had a lot of people asking for it, so.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would think an effective way, I'm not a marketing guy, but it would be if you could get some sort of display out there in the places that these RV people frequent that kind of, mm-hmm. I don't know. Because yeah. yep. that, that would, without knowing that that's a problem they don't think that there's they need a solution but once you know like you know like <laughs> I tell all my relatives it's like you, you realize that key is doing nothing here's, here's your keys right here um right. and it freaks them
1: out but I didn't really have a solution for them up till now so right 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 yeah and then the the trailer receiver pin lock you know we're calling the TL80 same thing we've had people asking for us to, to make that lock now for probably six months. And um, uh, it, it went really well. I mean, it is a machining stainless steel is tough. There's no question about it. And when I say stainless steel, I'm talking 304. Um, 304 and 316 are really the toughest grades of stainless out there. They're mo- the most weatherproof. There are other companies producing some stainless steel products, padlocks, um, but you'll see it's 303 or 302 or 300. Uh, those grades are stainless but they're far easier to machine because they contain small amounts of lead or or things like that to make it easier to machine but that means that they don't have that rust um prevention to it they will rust over time um so to get that real rust protection you got to be 304 or 316 but man those materials are, are tough to cut and um so that that tl-80 It's got that kind of rectangular shaped lock body and the pin, full stainless steel on both of those. Because we think that, you know, people need that on the back of your car. That's going to be driving down the road thousands and thousands of miles. Yeah. Yeah.
0: in certain states with all the the salt spray and Mm -hmm. that could be a disaster if it weren't. So how hard is it to, to get the stainless to a good hardened level? That's one thing I don't know much about.
1: Yeah. So it turns out there the 300 family of stainless. You technically can't harden, you know, harden being a process where uh, you know, you're taking, let's just say regular steel and you throw it into a big oven at 6,000 degrees. You inject different gases. I don't know the exact um, process, but you know, you heat up that material really, really hot. And then immediately afterwards you quench it in oil or water and that takes the Uh, Metal in terms of kind of like a new M&M where the outer couple five to 10 thousands is, is nice and hard rockwell hardness of 58 or 60. But if you can break through that hard shell, what's left on the inside is soft metal. So 300, 300 family of stainless, you can't harden. Um, moving to the 400 series, you can harden, but the 400 series inherently will rust. Right. That's kind of your trade off. So when you go with the 300, um, it's just a tough material through and through. So I encourage anyone that when they get the, the TL80, go ahead and take a saw to it, take a drill to it. Uh, you're going to have a tough time because through and through the entire material, it's is just tough. It's tough.
0: Yeah, if, I suppose if anybody has uh, tried to
1: drill and tap stainless, they probably right. would understand. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and for us, you know, we've been making aluminum, brass, regular steel padlocks for 10 years on our CNC machines. We're moving away from hardened steel and into stainless steel, just as a whole, um, mostly because making things in America. When you talk about heat treating, you talk about plating, especially in California with the Calosha and the EPA. You know, those are somewhat toxic processes. Somewhat, um, you know, it's getting more expensive, and lead times are, are going through the roof. And we hate telling our customers that hey, you know what, we can produce your products in two weeks, we'll get them off the CNC machines, we'll get them out to our vendors, but it might take us two months to get them back from our vendors. So if we look at a stainless steel product, we can produce that stainless steel product here, machine it, and when it's done, I can ship it to you exactly then and there. It doesn't need to go out to any outside services. So even though the raw material is is far more expensive, stainless versus regular steel, and machining costs are tremendously higher. Um, you know, as an example, if I had a drill and I'm drilling aluminum in my CNC machine, that drill could last forever. The aluminum will never wear out that drill. Same with brass, lasts forever. But you get into regular steel, let's say I can drill a thousand holes before that drill will wear out. Uh, stainless steel, you're around 200 to 300, right? So it significantly drops what you're doing or you're buying far more expensive tools and that's what we've had to do it's a much narrow target for you to hit with a machining with speeds and feeds and and the drills and the end mills you're using it's a much smaller target reticle that if you're outside of that oop, I just broke my drill all right I just wore out my end mill faster than I should I only got 20 parts out of a $150 end mill wow well my cost per part's now going up pretty dramatically well um, yeah I and I think so. that's why you, you, don't, you don't see a lot of stainless steel padlocks out there I mean that Stainless steel is really the the way to go with padlocks. It's really hard to cut, really hard to drill, and it's not going to rust. Why don't more people make padlocks out of stainless steel? Because Because it's it's really hard to make. (laughs) It's really hard. Right. But that's where we're going. That's the direction padlock's going. Um, We feel good because then we can only stand behind the product. But if I tell you we're going to have your product ready in a month, you need 1,000 of them, and we give you a month lead time, we'll be there, plus or minus a couple of days. That's, Yeah.
0: That's a good point to aim for, is, because customer uh, lead time is a big thing nowadays. Everybody's doing everything just in time, so.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and we're no different. Yeah, we're no different. Everything we do is producing out of the machine, right over to the assembly table, and cutting keys, pinning cylinders, and out it goes.
0: So. You've got deals with for distribution with Amazon and with Home Depot how uh how difficult is it to to set that kind of stuff
1: up it's uh well amazon's super easy uh home depot is a good four years um it took us through we we kind of have a partner we're working with that we you know we supply all the padlocks to public storage as well all the disc locks and what they call their cylinder locks and that's been a tremendously good relationship for everybody involved now for 10 years um so, they also, the people we work with to get to public storage also have a relationship with Home Depot. And it, it took us, it took us four years to get into Depot. Um, but there's some exciting stuff going on right now that I can't say much about. We're in about 30 stores and stores that are not really in great locations. And the stores we're in were not in good locations in those stores. I think anyone that's seen our product out of Home Depot would, would know what I'm talking about because we're like in, some weird safe area way over here or in like the toddler section over there. We're not in the, the padlock bay right now in some of the stores. But even with all that, it's because we're kind of like an extra credit project. Um, with all that said, the sales have been really good uh, and people are coming back for more and more and more. And I just think that we're reinventing, You know, we are disrupting how padlocks have been sold through the retail marketplace you know, that's what we're doing right now. And I think Home Depot is seeing that. And I think they want to talk, uh, you know, more about what we can do and that sort of thing. So I can't say much more there, but um, Amazon has been tremendously good, um, amazing technology for a company like PackLock that, like I mentioned for 10 years, it's all been about building the infrastructure and getting our company prepared so that if I sell you a great product today, a year later, I'm still going to be selling you a great product, right? Just because Greg's not on the machines anymore, he's out doing interviews and he's talking to people. We've got great people and great processes that we can maintain that quality. Um, for us to be able to get up into an e-commerce platform, if we were to build it ourselves and, and you go to packlock.com and, and you buy products directly from us, I got to build out a cart capability and you have to log in and you got to give me your credit card information. Now we have liability. And let's face it, today when people go looking for something, for good or for bad, you're going to Amazon.com. That's the first place you go. More often than not. More often than not. And they have made it tremendously easy um, to do this. Not only that, but they've been courting us. For about a year before we launched into Amazon, they were calling us almost monthly saying, we want you on Amazon. And when we launched, we actually had two different Amazon business development people assigned to us because they knew what we were gonna do on Amazon. I mean, this ability to pick your key, any key number out of our, and then any padlock that PackLock offers, you can get that key into that product and buy as many as you need, and then have it delivered literally four days later. You know, it's unheard of, it's never been done before. You can buy a pack of two or a pack of four or a pack of 10, but if I bought a pack of four right now, and I need another two or three padlocks a month from now, with anyone else, how do I... I'm going to get a different key number for those.
0: Yeah, that, that actually was a really impressive thing for me. Between that and your uh, UCS system, the ability mm-hmm. <laughs> for somebody who's who's got like job boxes and whatnot, and they want them all keyed the same, to be able to just go, okay, I, I'm buying a couple more job boxes at Home Depot. I don't want to have another key set. <laughs> to be able to either get the, the UCS system or to just go to Amazon and say, I have this key number, give me some mm-hmm. more locks. It's yeah. yeah I think it's a game changer. I you know, I don't know what your sales have been like, but that to me that yeah. was just
1: like, wow, this is brilliant. Because it's yeah. a frustration we've all had. Yep, agreed. And that's where I think we're a disruptive technology, as the business schools love to talk about. I mean, that's the disruptive technology in our industry right now and a very we're a very slow, old industry, we just are. I mean, you can name every other padlock, maybe they're just slow and old. Um, this is truly disruptive. We are gonna change how padlocks are sold in the retail market, how padlocks are sold directly to consumers. And just an example with Amazon, you have know, been doing really well in America, but customers in Canada, you know, Australia, Europe, have been clamoring for our products to get over to there we just have so much to work on. We haven't been able to do it, but just yesterday we found Amazon now has the capability to where you can sign up for a service where they will handle all of the duties, all of the import fees. They will take care of all that for the customers. All PackLock has to do is literally get accepted into this program. And then right then and there, we can start shipping from America to a hundred countries they've listed. And, all the fees are up front. So if I'm in England and I want to buy a pack lock, it's DHL shipped or UPS shipped and all the fees are right in front of you. And you know what they're going to be and it'll show up your doorstep a week later and you're not getting a, a bill a month later for duties or something like that. Oh, wow. That's... And that was just yesterday. Oh, wow. Do you know how hard it'll be to get into the program? Uh, we've, we've sent in our request. We've put our proposal in. I think, I think we're going to get in. I don't think it'd be an issue. Uh, like I said, Amazon's pretty excited about what we're doing. So um, that's going to help us you know, grow even more quickly into the other countries. And then our long-term plan is to take our UCS product line and bodies without cylinders. So entire padlocks assembled, no cylinder in them. Get those into Amazon's fulfillment centers, let's say in England or Canada or Amazon. I'm sorry, Australia. Um, but the cylinders are separate and the cylinders will be over there as well and we'll have our pinning pack um we'll have keys that you can use and customers are gonna be able to buy padlocks buy the cylinders get them two days later out of the fulfillment center or one day later and you know for the pro customer that can pin cylinders and follow a simple little pinning guide you're now in control of all your padlocks and you're getting them the next day right australia canada you name it that's kind of our long-term goal so we're not shipping directly from the u.s to you in canada
0: uh, yeah that's wow <laughs> so much is changing so fast with all this technology and, and Amazon and all that. Uh, wow. Uh, I know especially that, uh, the people, the locks boarders in Australia have been having to do a lot to try and get your locks down. There. <laughs> right. I shifted a, a couple of them down there so far. Um, <laughs> so yeah. Um, a lot of us do these uh, custom engraved pack clocks. How, how difficult a process is that? How long does it take per lock for you guys to actually
1: get that engraving on there? Uh, well, if any other lock manufacturer is listening, it's really, really hard. Oh, and it takes a long time. And, oh, man, it's, it's, it's not worth it. You don't want to do this, this engraving for customers. Oh, what a pain in the neck. Um, now obviously I'm joking. So it all comes down with technology. I won't say it's really easy, but you know, with today's tools and if we can get a decent file from our customers, you know, some vector file is ideal. But if we can get vector files from customers, yeah, it's really not too challenging to turn that into a file that we can load up on a laser and rock and roll. And where we get challenged is when someone says, Hey Greg, I'd like to do ten padlocks. Okay, no problem. You know, we'll do one for you, no problem. Well, yeah, but I want 10 padlocks and I want one to say happy birthday, Greg, and one to say happy birthday, Charles, and one to say happy birthday, Fred. And well, okay, each of those is easy, but each of them represents a, a new setup in the laser that our uh, assembly team has to then create a file and we got to change this. And, and on every lock, we're changing. We've done it, we charge a little more to do that. Um, unique serial numbers hey, Greg, I want a 2,000 padlock serialized from one to 2,000. No problem, we don't charge extra for that. The machine can keep track of what key number it's on. So every time we hit a lock, um, it'll increment the serial number automatically. So that, that's easy for us with safety lockout. That's a big thing. Um, but on the whole, it's, you know, we've been doing it for 15 years and I know that Master Lock and I think ABUS uh, might do it as well. But I'd say the core, the critical difference is that, as you've seen, our logo is nowhere on that padlock. Whereas if you did laser engraving with master lock, even Mako, you know, they started doing some laser engraving also, um, and a well, you can pick zone one, zone two, zone three, zone four, zone five, and you can pick these fonts, but not those fonts. And you can, you know, it's, it's all these restrictions that a pack lock. We say, look, if it fits on the padlock, we'll do it for you. Uh, and our logo is not going to be anywhere. So you can go ahead and take all the room you want and do what you like to do. Yeah, I was uh,
0: I was surprised, actually, the first time I submitted, you know, an email said, hey, can you do this for me? And can you print me off one test lock and send it to me? They were like, yeah, no problem.
1: I was (laughs) I
0: was thinking, no, I want an order of
1: 10 or 100 before I'll print them. But yeah, Yeah, and we like doing the test locks because we, we want you to be, you know, obviously satisfied. So we'll take we have locks back there that we just take a black marker. And we'll marker over what we were laser engraved last time. And then the laser burns off that. And then we'll take a picture and say, all right, is this what you're thinking? Is this, are you happy with this? or you want to make it bigger or smaller? Um, that way, when you get your product, you're like, yep, that's what I was expecting. Not, oh, that's not what I told the guys to do. And so we ran into an issue like that like 10 years ago. So today we've got files and documents. So we take pictures of every logo we do. So even if two years down the line, you come back to us saying, hey, I want locks just like last time. No problem. We we know what we did for you before. Uh, we have all our quality files set in place. The laser is built in a way that we can put new locks in and it'll look exactly like we did for you last time.
0: It it's a great service. It does, you know, for us locksport people, it allows us to have that custom logo on there and yeah. like yeah. I do do the giveaways with and a lot of people really enjoy that. So Yeah. I think it, it
1: yeah, I try and you know, for us we try I try and tell like locksmiths especially with amazon today a customer walks in off the street they're coming in to get information from me they're trying to take you know your expertise your knowledge you've you've built up over the years and say what's the best product for my solution and they'll talk to you and you'll say oh, you know what this is what you need to buy and then they gonna say oh you know what that's a good idea i need to go back and talk to my wife first before i do it or i need to whatever and they leave your shop and you know the first thing they're doing is they're hopping up on amazon they're they're googling it they're seeing if they can get it for cheaper and So I keep telling locksmiths, why are you selling master lock? Why are you selling America? Why are you saying on guess they're competing with you on Amazon? When these guys walk out of your store, if you just quoted them a, a master, whatever, they're walking out and they're trying to get it. Now you got special keyways. But the point is. Sell your own product, sell the Greg locksmith shop product, laser engrave, hard stamp, put your your product information on there. And now when they walk out of your shop, they, they won't ever find that product because you don't have it online. I mean, they might find pack lock and it might look the same, but still. They don't. You know.
0: It also, if you had them custom made, that's advertisement for your locksmith shop. Every time they're using that lock, every time their friends see them unlock that lock. Yeah. Right. Brand recognition. You know? Yep. It's not and master lock. <laughs> it's your <laughs> locksmith company.
1: 81 yeah. locks.
0: Right, um, right. Yeah, I. I'm not a locksmith. I don't know how all that stuff works, but I would think that would be a good thing. Right. All right. Um. So, do you have anything new coming up, or anything you want to
1: tell us about? <laughs> Just gotta uh, ask. I, there's always a lot going on. Um. What I will tell you is that, uh, you know, electronics. Yep. Uh. We're getting into that as well. We've been into it technically. Um, you know, Bluetooth style, uh, with a very different focus than what you're seeing from, let's say, Master, or even like the Ass Abloy group. Um, you know, that that's a product line that uh, we feel very excited about. Um, we've got some 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 stuff to do to kind of get it ready for for show again and, and get it out there. So, you know, you see Packlock hitting hitting Master slash American Hard. Um, you know, we're, we're now Abloys in our sights. Um, yeah, uh, electronic locks. We're going to be there as well. So, I'll be um, interested. Always a lot going on. Yeah, always a lot going on.
0: I'd be interested to see what you come up with because I'm <laughs>
1: very skeptical you're about that whole it. thing. Hey, you're going to enjoy it. You're going to. I'm here to tell you. I think the locks, especially the Locksport community, is going to enjoy uh, what we. I think. I think um, what we've come up with.
0: I my problem has been the way things have been done lately, and I know there's so much. Um, cause I do have a, an electronics background. So I know there's a lot of ways that that stuff can get messed up. That isn't obvious mm. and leads to mm-hmm. a problem down the road. So it still makes me really nervous. <laughs> Good. Well, we'll look forward to working with you then. Um, all right. Well, I think that's all I questions I had for you. Um, Okay. Anything else you wanted to talk about, or any plugs you wanted no, you to get want to say in there? I'm
1: grateful. You know, we're we're grateful. I I do value. I mean, pack lock values the input from everybody. Um, this this concept of coming out with an idea. We've even posted you know 3D graphics and design files, uh, like our TL88, the the trailer hitch lock. You know, we posted design files even before we started manufacturing anything to say, hey, what do you guys think? All right, we're, as long as we don't feel like we can patent things, obviously we need a patent, we need to keep it internal. And we do a fair amount of patents, but a lot of times there's, there's nothing much you can patent. It's a great idea, but there's not much to patent. Um, but this concept of getting the information out there, getting feedback, and then leveraging social media to find people to say, hey, look, you know, we're getting very picky about the people we want to test our products because we're looking for very specific use scenarios. And then to get that feedback, Um, from people like on the TLA to the trailer hitch lock customers just got them Thursday uh, and here it is Saturday and we've already gotten in um, I think four people with videos and hey this is working great hey this might need to change and that's tremendously valuable to us so we're grateful for it and we want to think that we can keep coming to just the social media community in general lock sports and everybody to say you know help us out help us make great products and um, you know, help us make it to where, you know, American manufacturing, small business manufacturing, you know, we, I'm always a fan of hiring people with disabilities, uh, for that contract we have with 10 years, uh, for the military, 15% of the labor that we had of the people working on that line or people with disabilities. And not only is it, it just make me feel good, but forget tax credits. There really aren't any tax credits. People, oh, you hire people. We do tax credit. No, no, no. We do it because, um, People with disabilities are great workers, um, the right jobs they will excel at. And just to see them come in excited about the job and eager to do it, that we really do have a commitment as a company, as we grow um, to continue developing our relationship with companies that have people with disabilities so that they can come work for us or we can kind of outsource to them. Uh, it's important to us. That's a big part of, of this country. I definitely feel a sense of duty because of my military background. Uh, to do these sorts of things, uh, give people a chance, uh, hire veterans, you know, when we can. Um, yeah, I want our country to stop buying products from from places other than America as much as we can. And, and I want to be a big part of that. You've got a, a great uh,
0: opportunity as a small business to, to be able to have that good focus on keeping it American, using, you know, local people. It's it's good to see. Um, I like to to see things that are made in America with a, a good set of values. So I appreciate your company and I appreciate your products. And I really oh thank you want to thank you for agreeing to come on my podcast, my small little podcast. My pleasure,
1: no, my <laughs> absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, and you've done a great job. And and I we really value it. And and again, thank you. We we appreciate it.
0: And thank you for tuning in to this week's interview episode. Remember, this podcast needs your support. You can support the podcast in many different ways, the most important of which is by sending in your LockSport-related news and information. You can send it to podcast at podcast.locksportscast.com or any of my social media accounts, which you can find in the show notes or at support.thelocksportscast.com. You can also share the podcast with your friends, either in person or on social media. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app leave a comment on YouTube, a thumbs up on YouTube, always appreciated. You can subscribe via Patreon or donate via PayPal. If you support the show in some significant way, I will list you as a producer in the credits and I will link to your YouTube channel or your blog or whatever it is you have that you want linked to. So make sure you send in your link with your information or whatever it is you want shared. Remember to keep it legal. Thanks. Bye.